You are listening to the Literary Comedy Podcast. Stories of comedy, tragedy, and time. Ing. Hello. Welcome to Chapter 18 of A Dragon for George, a friendly, for my family at least, novel about a 12-year-old boy and a genetically engineered dragon with whom he has a complicated relationship. Last time, Lauren was shot in the wing with an arrow as she rescued George from Corwin. They now head toward the safety of Shipwreck Island in Chapter 18 of A Dragon for George. Lorne lifted them higher and higher above Corwin's castle. They flew farther and farther away. George glanced back. Richard Glenn and his associates rushed into a very fancy-looking RV. Wait for me, Corwin yelled, clanking behind them in his battered armor. Corwin pointed at George and Lorne. George steered Lorne away from the castle and towards the river. George looked down at the cliff he'd fallen from at the campground where they'd burned the man in the bear suit. They swooped over the dam, over old Newton, and for miles and miles beyond. They flew over towns, over cities, and over forests that seemed like they'd go on forever. It was beautiful. Almost perfect. Except for the bugs that buzzed around George's face. There's always bugs or something, George thought. Life can never quite be perfect. But it wasn't just the bugs. Fast as she flew, blood still dripped from Lorne's injured wing. George could see the pain in her face, noticing his own injured hand bleeding into the reins. George realized that he literally did feel it himself. Lorne began to spin in the air. George held on tight against the turbulence. He searched for a place to land. There, he said to Lorne, steering her to a bluff with long grass out of reach from any road. They landed. Lorne licked blood from her wing. George examined the hole, small but bleeding, like a freshly pierced earlobe. It'll heal, George said, rubbing Lorne's neck. But you need to rest. George found a stream nearby. They'd lost the RV long ago. Even if Corwin knew which route they'd taken... He couldn't know where they'd landed. Lorne lapped up water from the stream. George drank. Lorne gobbled from a tuft of grass. George sat down, looked up at trees swaying. He breathed in the purity of the air. It was a nice enough spot. He figured they could rest for a while, give Lorne a chance to recover. Two or three insects bugged George, buzzing around him. He swatted at them, but soon the two or three insects turned to six, to twelve, to dozens and dozens. George swatted more vigorously, catching one in his hand. The insect looked like a mosquito, but its eyes looked like tiny cameras, similar to ones on a smartphone, except even smaller. They're not bugs, George said, thinking it through. They're tiny drones. I bet you that scientist sent them. Yes, that made sense. We have to get moving. George attempted to mount Lorne as the drone bugs swarmed them both. They poked at George, injecting something under his skin. They landed on Lorne, but their small stingers tinged off the dragon's tough hide. Close your eyes, George said to Lorne. Your eyes aren't protected. Lorne did so. 
screeching and burping. George fumbled for the reins, his head growing heavy, his limbs going limp. The bugs still stung him, but he barely felt that now. He needed to spark the bridle. The fire would save them, but George's will grew as weak as his limbs. His eyelids grew heavy. He fought to keep his fighting spirit. He fought to keep his eyelids from closing, but they were heavy. So heavy. There. The button. He felt it. He pressed it. His eyelids were closed now, but he could hear the spark and the strange sound as Lorne belched through her nostrils. He could feel the heat. He awoke to sea salty air blowing up the river. Lorne held him in her front claws under his armpits. He dangled in the sky. George said. He breathed heavy and deep. He repeated, much louder this time. His screams went on for a short while before George recovered himself. If I was fine when I was unconscious, then I guess I'm fine now. Dozens of tiny red bumps showed where the drone bugs had injected their drugs. So, okay, he wasn't totally fine, but he wasn't just about to die. Probably. Lorne labored more than ever. She flew low now, where the air was thicker. But George could see a dot in the distance. Shipwreck Island. Right where Deidre had said it would be. There it is, George said. That's where you have to go. Lorne flapped her wings, but slowly, weakly. She flew so low. George could feel droplets of water misting off the rapids and onto his skin. He could hear the traffic on the road meandering with the river. He looked back. He saw it. He felt a terror worse than when he'd woken up in the sky. The RV sped hot behind them. George could make out Corwin in the passenger's seat. We have to keep going, George said. But Lauren's injured wing was failing her. The island was two miles from the coast. It was too far to fly without a rest. Down there, the road doesn't go that way, George said, pointing out a crag at the edge of the ocean. Lorne didn't respond. Turn left, George said. Left! Lorne obeyed. Down, George said. But he'd never taught her that particular command. Lorne wheezed. Her wing barely worked at all. But they were close to the ground. Close-ish, at least. Only ten or fifteen feet high, George figured. It wasn't too far to fall if he did it right. That crayon-eating kid was probably right about falling from ten or fifteen feet. George just had to time his roll. He lifted his arms above his head. His sleeves ripped in Lorne's claws. George fell to the crag, trying to roll as he hit the ground, but only managing to thud. He knew better than to listen to the crayon-eating kid. Lorne screeched, swooping down to him. 
Barely able to lift her injured wing, she landed roughly, rolling and tumbling. Good girl, George said as she flopped down, aching and exhausted. George hugged her tight. We should be safe here for a while, he said too soon. Looking around, he spotted a path behind them. Dogs barked in the distance. There wasn't much time. George examined Lorne's injured wing. The blood had caked and scabbed, but was no longer dripping. You'll heal, he said. I'm sure of it. George took the egg out of the satchel. He placed it in front of Lorne. You take this to the island, George pointed. You take this there and protect it. Let it grow strong like you. George tried to remove the bridle, but Lorne screeched in protest. Okay, okay, said George. I suppose it'll help protect you, but be careful with it. Lorne nuzzled George's face. He rubbed the back of her head. The dogs barked again. They were closer now. George looked into Lorne's eyes. You have to fly away, Lorne bent low. She gestured with her head for George to mount. I'm too heavy, George said. You have to go without me or you won't make it, George hugged Lorne. If you see anyone, even me, you hide, okay? Do you understand? Lorne opened her mouth and burped. That's right, you have your fire. Be careful with it, though. Don't use it against birds or seals or anything. Only against people. If they try to get you, and only as a warning shot. Oh, and but get those bugs. Kill those bugs, too. Do you understand? George could see the dogs now, sprinting up the path. Fly away now. Be safe. Lorne licked the tears from George's eyes, but she didn't fly away. There, Corwin said. George turned to see Corwin next to Richard Glenn and his team. The statuesque women aimed their blob-shooting gun. Lorne grabbed George under the armpit, holding him in one foreclaw and the egg in the other. She flapped her wings but couldn't get lift, exhausted and injured as she was. Let go, he told Lorne. Remember? Let go. What are you waiting for? said Corwin. Fire! The statuesque women looked to Richard Glenn for guidance. He looked to George and Lorne. Please, George told Lorne, tears overwhelming his eyes. You have to let me go. She let go. She flapped her wings, getting a little lift. See, George said, laughing through his tears. I told you. Shoot her already, said Corwin, while you still can. George ran toward the statuesque women, waving his arms, making himself look as big as he could, trying to block their aim. Stand down, said Richard Glenn. The customer's wrong about this one. Corwin tried to grab the gun, but the mountain of a man knocked him out with one punch to the head. Lorne flapped and flapped as she ran to the edge of the crag. She was light on her claws, getting a little lift from her wings. A little more and a little more, she jumped off the crag. She hurtled toward the ocean. No! George yelled, running to the crag's edge. He looked over the side. Lorne spread her wings wide, catching an updraft, but her injured wing gave out. She continued to fall. 
She cracked through the surface of the ocean, making a huge splash. She disappeared. Lorne! George yelled. Lorne! The ocean swelled. Waves crested and broke upon the rocks beneath. A pair of seagulls fought over a clamshell. The bridle rose to the surface and then sank again. There was no sign of Lorne herself. Richard Glenn put his hand upon George's shoulder. I'm sorry, he said. George didn't have time for sorry. He was sure she was still alive. He was sure she needed help. His eyes darted to the forest. He spotted it. Just what he was looking for. Just the thing to help Lorne. Quick, George said, running to the path. Help me. George stepped into the forest, pushing against the old snag of a dead alder ten feet tall. It held firm, so he pushed harder, putting his back into it. His legs, too, all of him. Richard Glenn helped push. The women helped push. The mountain pushed. On two, said George. One, two. They pushed together all at once. The roots ripped from the ground. The snag fell. Everyone picked it up together. At least, everyone that was conscious. They took it to the crag's edge. Lorne! George shouted, not in the least bit surprised to find her head bobbing above the water. Lorne flailed her wings and legs above the waves, holding the egg in her mouth. She gasped for breath through her nostrils. Look out! George said, as he and nearly everyone else threw the dead alder over the side. The snag splashed into the ocean. Spotting it, Lorne flailed herself toward it, grabbing it with her foreclaws. Spreading her wings wide, she caught a gust of wind, which pushed her away from the land. She kicked with her back feet, steering herself toward Shipwreck Island. Good girl, keep going, George said. She progressed slowly, methodically. She grew smaller and smaller. You'll make it! You'll make it! George was sure that she would. For more than an hour, he watched her. He watched her as the speedboat slowed down close to her, watched as Deidre, uh, he was sure it was Deidre, tied a rope to the log, watched as the speedboat slowly pulled Lorne onward. He watched till Lorne was a speck in the distance, watched till even the boat was a speck. He thought he saw the smaller speck pull herself out of the water and onto the island. He saw the larger speck speed away. She's safe. George told himself, but he wasn't sure. I'm sorry, said Richard Glenn. No, said George. Didn't you see? She made it. She's alive. He hadn't imagined it. He was sure he hadn't. She drowned, said Richard Glenn, his face firm and serious. And we did what we could to catch her. Everything we could. We certainly didn't leave a dangerous dragon on the loose. Richard Glenn winked. George nodded. He understood now. It wasn't the first time he would lie for her. Thank you for listening to Chapter 18 of A Dragon for George. Tune in next time for the final chapter. Until then, bless you, keep you, and take good care. <laughs>